cliffcentral.com. Let's turn our attention to far more important issues. We're going to go local with uh, JJ Cornish, and we're going to go continental with him too. It is time for African analysis. African analysis is, of course, brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School, where we look at what's happening around the African continent. And here he is, live this morning to take us through some of it. JJ Cornish, how are you? Bonjour, I'm immensely well, thank you. How kind of you to ask. <laughs> it's always good to see you. And JJ, we love to hear what you, uh, what you can tell us about things that are going on on the continent. Where should we start today? Should we start with uh, climate change, which seems to be all the rage everywhere at the moment? Well, you know, we're told as Africans that we're going to be hit the worst. And this is a, a depressing piece. African savanna elephants in Kenya. Mm-hmm. are more in danger from climate change than they are from poachers. Now, that's an endangered species. Really? You know, Kenya started with something like uh, uh, 135,000 elephants, and that went down to 16,000 by 1989. That's because of poaching. Today, there are about 36,000. But in the last eight months, yeah. uh, something like 179 of those elephants have died from drought died of thirst Jeez. and uh, nine have been poached so you know it's it's quite a factor in 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 in, in difference Oof. uh and uh, uh, you know an elephant needs 200 liters of water a day so uh, wow. you know what do you do when there is a drought like this you know the drought in kenya in ethiopia in somalia has affected 15 million people put them in danger of starvation yeah. and has killed three million livestock now, do you say, well, we're going to have to do the same with elephants? But it's just yet another indication of how badly we are hit by climate change, how badly we in Africa are hit, the least polluting uh, continent, and one of those that are hit the, the worst. So it's just a, a yeah, story. To, it, it is. To it, seems, it seems so unfair that we should have to bear the brunt for all these other countries. And I mean, chief among them, let's not mess around here because a lot of countries are pulling their weight but china just doesn't seem to give a damn i mean it just it's 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 no it's no it's not a hidden uh, piece of information that china has just done absolutely zero to um to even tackle this climate change thing they they don't sign on to any of the accords um if if america got their net carbon emissions down to zero which they keep threatening to do it's still wouldn't make any difference because China's so far ahead in terms of their carbon emissions. And here in Africa, I mean, we're, we're the biggest, aren't we, South Africa, the worst polluter in, on this continent? I would think so. I mean, we would probably give a, a nod to Nigeria too. But yes, now we certainly are. When we hosted the climate uh, summit, you recall that, uh, yeah. we, we were very careful not to say that we were going to get rid of uh, carbon-emitting uh, energy sources, coal, for example. Yeah. You know, if we if we stopped using coal right now, uh, we'd be in real trouble uh, uh, in terms of our power generation. Absolutely, hang on, uh, Gareth. Hang on, stick around a minute. We are in real trouble with our coal, <laughs> <laughs> with our power. Generation. Correct. I was going to say, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and it's just not. No, uh, it's just not realistic for us to think any other way at the moment. No, absolutely not. What solar no. power? Uh, you know, I no, don't no. know. Come on, copy power. I, yeah. There isn't. There isn't an alternative. Wind power. You know, wind power around Parliament. If you put a wind turbine <laughs> there, you get a fair bit. You could. You could light up the Victoria and Albert waterfront with the hot air that comes out of that shop. But uh, 
No, uh, you know, the, the, and, and, and they're, even though they're getting cheaper, they're still more expensive than coal. And at the moment, we're using it. And so yeah. we are the greatest emitter. And uh, I think, you know, we, and we've got to think that we've got to change it. But everywhere, when you mentioned China, you know, when I first started visiting China back in 95, uh, I was absolutely horrified at just how completely unaware they were of any uh, uh, environmental impact of what they were doing. If there was a hill in the way of their building a factory, mm-hmm. well, that hill would go. Yeah. You know, that that's and they were sort of proud of the fact that they could yeah. do that. Today, they seem to be more sensitive to it. But, uh, you know, the, the proof of the pudding would be signing on to agreements, accepting agreements, and they're nowhere near there yet. But uh, it's the countries that have made it that have polluted. And so, uh, you know, the, those countries like India coming up saying, well, you know, we haven't yet, we're still in a development process. Yes, we ha- are polluting, but we need to to get up to the level that you are at. And yeah. that's something uh, that China's arguing to to an extent. So it's a, it's a very sad state of affairs and, and that our pachyderms in Kenya should be suffering uh, is even more heartbreaking. It also seems to me that um, a lot of excuses are, are, are being offered by governments, you know, and they, and they love a story like this because they can say, oh, we're killing the elephants, so we've got to tax you more. Um, which, of course, makes no difference to the climate. It does make a difference to the government's bottom line, though, in every country. They're like, oh, but the elephants are dying, so we need to tax you more. Sounds perfectly reasonable, doesn't it? It certainly does. But how many times are we going to tell you, Gareth, that you're way too young to be so cynical? <laughs> well, that's why we get you on here, to, to bring down that, <laughs> uh, the cynicism. Bring down the level, yeah, exactly. absolutely. All right, so let's talk about some other things that are going on here, because there's quite a lot on the agenda. Um Apparently, the Congo is the place at the moment when it comes to news. So, well, yes, you know, there's a lot of oil exploration happening there, and we talk about, uh, you know, damaging the climate and the environment. But, you know, the Congo has, for a very long time, been a source of, of, you know, it's one of the the few ecological areas that that has largely remained intact, and now that's being threatened. Well, there is. There are 27 blocks that they're allowing uh, oil exploration to occur, and three of those are at the coast, but nine of them are in rainforest areas. Now, these rainforests are what are called carbon sinks, and they have vast amounts of carbon mm. that has been undisturbed for centuries. And once they start drilling and getting at it, they will release that carbon, and uh, it'll have a huge impact uh, globally. But in order to get the drilling equipment to these places through the rainforest, they're going to have to cut huge corridors to allow heavy equipment to get through. So it's going to be very, very damaging. And people are saying to the Congo, please don't do that. Mm. But Congo is saying, you know, our people are starving. What do you expect us to do if we've got oil underneath our ground? Sure. Uh, uh, what, you know, what is the priority? Is it our people or is it the rainforest? So it's that, that sort of argument. You mentioned uh, the Congo being in the news. A terrible thing happened in the eastern Congo, and I know that place well because I was there several times as an election observer. But a couple of troops, or some troops, in fact, it turns out that they are Tanzanian, and I breathed a sigh of relief when I heard it was them and not South Africans, because there are South Africans also there, returning from leave, and they come across a border post, Mm. and there's a long queue, 
They go to the front of the border post. There's an argument. There's some shots fired. And the, and the peacekeepers, <coughs> the blue helmets, actually kill two people and wound 20 of them. The UN boss, Antonio Guterres, outraged. The Congolese have made some arrests. Uh, clearly, those peacekeepers are going to be sent home where they have to face justice. But there have been problems, real problems, actual peacekeepers dying in the eastern Congo from Congolese who are arguing that these guys are not doing enough to actually protect them. It was once the largest uh, peacekeeping force on the planet and it certainly is a still a one of, among the most expensive but the locals are saying you're not protecting us and so they're protesting and their protests have turned violent. So there's this kind of uh, daggers drawn attitude between the peacekeepers who are supposed to be there sure. to protect the people and the people themselves. It's very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, when you lose uh, trust in the peacekeepers, then there's not much peace to be kept, is there? You've seen this story unfold before. Yeah. So, JJ, I mean, what is the situation in the Congo at the moment? Because the last time we checked in there, they were in a state of pretty much anarchy. Um, Who's in charge? What's going on? Is 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 there any kind of local control? We know that there's always been tension, particularly in the east of the Congo. I mean, is that still the case? Still is, and and uh, the East African community where and Congo has just joined them uh, are sending in troops. That's what they've got to do. But then the Congolese are saying, if you send in troops, make sure you don't send in any Rwandans or Ugandans, because Rwanda is uh, of course charged with. Uh, uh, fomenting the violence there by, by supporting the rebel groups. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's a mishmash. Uh, uh, and we do have, uh, Anthony Blinken going there, uh, in, in, in a, in a short period of time. He's coming here first, then going on to the Congo and then going on to Rwanda. You know, I'm being criticized for being too critical of Rwanda, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what Paul Kagame is up to is, is absolutely shameful. And, uh, you know, what he's done, I mean, I think he perpetrated a violence, uh, and, 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 I mean, the word genocide, I don't use it lightly, mm. but it looks like a, a mass killing of, of Hutus once he came to power. You know, once he, once he, is the, the real genocide there ended, uh, there was a sort of a, a retribution against the Hutus and that went on. And then getting people, the Hutus who fled into Congo, getting them back and, and, and what they did to them in the Congo. So, uh, uh, Gareth, if I paint a picture of absolute confusion, uh, then I'm doing my job. I mean, it really is. That's what it is. A, 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 a sad, sad state of affairs. So, JJ, I mean, with, with all of this, you know, a lot of people asking, is there any end in sight for the Congo? I mean, is there any way that we could bring stability there? I mean, we talk about the African Union. We talk about the UN peacekeeping force, the blue helmets you just mentioned now. Is all of this for naught? Is there a way that we could bring lasting peace to the Congo? Because since it almost seems like Mobutu Sesiseko was the last time that they had real peace. And that's saying something because we know what a crook he was. Yeah, you know, that he, the word kleptocrat was, <laughs> was actually invented for him. Yeah, he was you the know, one, uh, he was the one who yeah, famously, didn't he famously have like a whole bunch of Swiss bank accounts and some of them have, we've never even discovered that they're his and the Swiss don't even know whose is whose. <laughs> Well, there's still a lot of money to come back from him. There's no doubt. Yeah. But uh, the Congo is still one of the five countries. In the in the book, I'm nearly finished now. Mm. The Congo is one of the five countries that will transform Africa, and I maintain that with all through all the trouble they're having, they have this capacity. And I think as we we can we we, we bring that to 
to sort of their, their realization of their potential, the hydropower that they could provide virtually to the whole continent, the fact that they could virtually feed the whole continent. I mean, we said that about Zimbabwe at one point, and that didn't seem to help. But I do believe that the Congo will change, and 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 just by sheer force of of of, of uh, continental solidarity, it's got to change. That's what ended the the biggest the Africa's world war in the Congo. So uh, yeah, I I, I have to say, uh, sometimes I close my eyes and wonder why I have faith, but I believe that the Congo will. Uh, transform and that it will have an absolutely major impact on the transformation of Africa. Well, I mean, JJ, from your mouth to God's ears, right? That's all we can hope for. Um, I, I, yeah, I wish I had, I wish I had the faith that you do, but I'm looking forward to that book. When is it coming out? Well, I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, when, you know, when it fit, leaves my desk and goes oh, into the publisher's still hands. Writing, there's, still there's, writing, still writing. Well, I'm still editing and, and, rearranging the jigsaw as it were you know i've i've got all the pieces all the words but i'm rearranging the i'm i'm arranging them and that's taken more time than i thought i'd i'd hoped to be finished a month ago and i'm still going listen it's never easy writing a book i mean that this Oof. is you and you, you you're so worried that if you put out something that isn't exactly right and you haven't put in the requisite amount of attention you're never really sure when it's finished um so it can be <laughs> it can be frightening um JJ, let's just talk for a minute about Burkina Faso and about Mali, if you don't mind, because um, those countries are also in complete disarray at the moment with these jihadi killings. Is this uh, the Boko Haram group still in West Africa? Well, it's the Af- Al-Qaeda in West Africa. The fact is, now, Burkina Faso and Mali, they could not contain these this, these jihadi killings. The people were up in arms. So the military took advantage in both those countries, in Mali back in 2020, in August, and in Burkina Faso uh, in January this year. The the military took the opportunity to take over, saying the government can't do the job, but we'll have to do it. And uh, a very interesting group called the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, they said, uh, and they've done a, a very detailed study of this, and they say, no, it hasn't been the case. In both these countries, there have been actually more killings since the coups than there were before. So, uh, you know, those – and, and y- y- we had the Algerian uh, president, uh, Tebun, saying uh, just yesterday to Mali, please return to Legality, in other words, democracy, having mm. elections as soon as possible. Both of these military coups, both of the leaders said we will have elections and they put a target date and in both cases they have exceeded that target date. They're holding on to power and uh, that's what the military does. That's the danger of a military coup is that they yeah. take over and then things work and then they get a taste for the power. And uh, uh, they don't, you know, they, they, uh, what, what, other things have to force them to give it up to restore democracy. That's when we call them a junta, right? Yes, indeed. Or, or in private, even other things. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, it sounds a little bit messy at the moment. We really try to look for trends. And I'm always hoping that that at least... Most of Africa is moving in a positive direction. This morning's news, I'm afraid, is not good all round. Well, uh, there isn't, you know, and uh, I do try. I do look for, for sort of positive no, no. trends. 
But uh, I, I have to say, I have a, 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 a soupçon of, of, of sadness here. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, we, we, don't tray, make, we don't make the news. A tray of tragedy. We're not responsible for the news, JJ. You're just here to report it. That's all. So that's why we like checking in with you. You're never going to bullshit us. I hope that's the case. No, it's, it's always true. We look forward to that book and keep us informed as to how the progress is going. JJ Cornish is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. You can find out more if you want to listen to every previous episode of African Analysis. They're all there available to you. You can get a nice look at the entire story as it unfolds over time. And, of course, JJ will be back in a couple of days' time to give us some more updates from all over the continent. But thank you very much, JJ. Good to see you. Lovely being with you. Cliff Central. Dot com.